That was literally verbal diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, butt. no, no, no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no. You are. You defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Ducker gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of the Jobberknocker Podcast. I'm JC, alongside my guy, the man of the hour, Nestlemania. What's up, JC? Did you know that today is our fourth year as a knocker? Like, that, that is crazy to me. That is actually very, very scary. Um, but yeah, you know, four years, man. It has been quite the four years. We have seen a lot of wrestling. Uh, wrestling is essential. Uh, in the state of Florida, for those of you that don't know. So Raw and SmackDown will continue, as well as pay-per-views. we got Money in the Bank uh, set up in about a month, and that's going to be interesting. But you know what? How do we start this show, Mr. Nestlemania? We start it with the shine. Always the shine. Yeah, always the shine. Mwah. So you know what? Since it is our, wow. Since it is our four-year anniversary, and you just literally did the Mandy, I'm going to let you yeah. kick off the shine this week. Well, the thing is, is I, there's a lot of good stuff on both shows. I was very surprised how good things were. But I'm going to go over to, to to Raw, actually. And I really enjoyed, for some reason, I really enjoyed Asuka versus Ruby Riot. I thought that match right there off the bat, I had, in my opinion, no expectations for it whatsoever. And it just it over-delivered, in my opinion. And, and Ruby looked like she got a lot of good stuff in. It was physical. And I would sign me up to see another Asuka versus Ruby Riot. And I was very surprised. And I think based on a week where uh, there was a lot of weird things going on, this match had no business being, you know, anything that I could remember. And now I'm actually thinking about it, like, more so than everything else I've watched this week. So if you haven't gone and seen it, I think Oscar did a really good job with Ruby Riot in that matchup. Yeah, no, and I think that was a big theme of um, the last, like, this week and then even, like, last week is that these shows are truly becoming more of, like, wrestling shows. There's been a lot more actually wrestling on it. I think a lot of it has to do with that a lot of the bigger stars might not necessarily be there because of travel restrictions or whatever or not wanting to go, and you're getting a lot more of, like, these mid-card to, like, up-and-cumber younger talent that just wants to go out there and wrestle or a lot of the superstars that live locally, and Oscar Ruby was certainly one of those matches. I did like that. We do have Money in the Bank qualifying matches. You know, sometimes they just throw up a graphic and be like, these are the people in the match. At least this year, they're having qualifying matches because I think anytime you have something like that, you should have qualifying matches. And um, I didn't think I'd be putting this in the shine, but I did it just to kind of, you know, because I like the result. Uh, Shayna Baszler beat the living piss out of Sarah Logan. And even though the ring announcer declared the Ron winner, I chose to overlook that because... Shayna Baszler needed to get something back. I think this is at least a small step in that direction. And, you know, sorry, Ray Ray, but Sarah Logan did what she was supposed to do. What's up, jobbers? <laughs> there were a couple jobbers this week I was very excited about. I don't know if we want to talk about it right now, but because they're kind of like, uh, in my opinion, didn't matter either way. So I'm just going to say it. First off, jobber alert for Cal Bloom, who got his ass handed to him by the fella. <laughs> And then we have on Raw, we have Tahu, I think it's Tahu Miles. 
To Hootie Miles. Garza. He's an NXT Miles, guy. Jobber alert. There were other ones that were longer than three minutes, so they don't necessarily count as jobber matches. But those two definitely, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm okay with seeing these guys who have you know, very generic looks, very generic whatever, just to come in there and get some experience. I'm okay with that. We obviously, uh, as the jobber knocker, the last four years have obviously wanted more jobber matches. So seeing these enhancement matches make things better. Um, it is interesting to me to note that uh, Sheamus was not on, you know, WrestleMania, and I was kind of hoping we get a Sheamus Braun feud. That's not going to happen anytime soon. And on the other side, Angel Garza, as we talk about, I'm sure later with his tra- trio of uh, whatever the hell you want to call that. I don't even think they have a name yet with Zelina Vega. That's uh, kind of taken over Raw. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, and that was certainly. I think that is Shine. Um, I guess in, you know the matches were solid. I believe it was uh, Austin Theory beat Tazawa. Um, then the the Zelina boys came out. They beat up Tazawa after the match. Garza beat as you just mentioned, and then they came out again and beat him up. And I think it was just kind of like this is a new stable that didn't really make sense. It was a tag team that was thrown together before Mania. Then Andrade got pulled out. It brought up Austin Theory, and now they're actually doing something with it. And I think again, it is a positive of these are people that a either live in the area or are young and hungry and are willing to be there every week. And I think this is a big opportunity for some of these younger superstars if they're willing to do it, I think they could really, really uh, kickstart their careers. And um, so it certainly was interesting. The other thing I did like is that they brought up a lot of history. I love when wrestling like knows their history and uses it. Drew McIntyre became a champion. Drew McIntyre was the champion at NXT, but he was dethroned by Andrade, who actually injured him and put him out uh, of action for six to eight months or whatever it was. And I like that they called back to it because if I'm Andrade, this is what I would do. The guy that I beat, in the last place we were for their biggest title, I beat them, is now the have the biggest title on the new show I'm on, I'd go right after him too and use it as ammo, and I'm glad that they did. Yeah, look, they did a great physical story in the main event. It, it was a lot shorter than I expected it to be. I thought it would be at least 15 minutes. It seemed more like about 10, maybe, with everything when the hoopla at the beginning and end. Yeah, if that. Uh, but, it, yeah, it was very physical, and I think that was what I really enjoyed about it because I thought, like, coming out of WrestleMania, Drew McIntyre, had the whole Big Show thing, which was kind of odd, and it seemed like he didn't want to face the Big Show, even though he was supposed to be a babyface champion. But then you get to this point of this week, he comes out, in my opinion, cuts a better promo this week about how if you think you deserve it, you're going to get it, you're going to get the opportunity, which I appreciated that. And then we get to the, to the whole CN thing, and it's a physical story, as we talked about with the promo, but it's more of a physical when we got in there. He went after the arm the entire way through. And Drew won, which I thought was a nice surprise because I thought it was really going to end up being just a schmoz with those three guys just beating him up anyway. Um, I'm not necessarily thrilled about the end end of Raw, but, uh, I mean, it seems like, unfortunately, in order to get Drew mega over or mega uh, stamp of approval, you need to go through a particular CrossFit Jesus. So, Yeah, and that was kind of the where the, you know, it kind of fell off the cliff for me. Um is that I was when I saw this, I was like, Andrade and McIntyre. I think Andrade would be a good first feud for McIntyre. So I would have been okay with some sort of schmoz in the main event and set this up as the title match at Money of the Bank, especially considering that Andrade isn't even getting to compete for an opportunity to be in the Money in the Bank, is that I thought this would have made perfect sense. It would have been a good first feud for Drew. It would have been some really good wrestling. It would have been interesting. Um, and then you could have maybe revisit Seth eventually because clearly you could tell when they did like four or five backstage uh, promos with him and he doesn't have his friends anymore or whatever. I think one of the AOPs actually injured again, so I don't know if they've just tossed that out and just replaced it with Zelina Stable. But um, I am surprised they're going to Seth Drew so quickly. I don't love it. 
especially considering I hate when a guy coming off a loss gets to be the guy challenging for the championship, but it is what it is. Well, I think if we go back, I think AJ Styles lost at WrestleMania, and then like I think he was thrown into like a payback right against Roman Reigns. Of course, that's what they do. Yeah. So there's there's certain people that just deserve endless chances, and then they're going to get them, and that's Seth Rollins. So it is what it is. Um, But you know, not necessarily crazy about it. Something else, uh, I'm going to switch gears going over to SmackDown. Uh, There wasn't necessarily a bad feeling about this that I got, but I actually wanted to say that. Uh, I, everybody, you know, gives me shit about WrestleMania and how I said I thought the women's tag title match wasn't, you know, in my opinion, I thought it could have been better. I thought this week's match, the rematch, the rerun, if you will, Friday night rerun, uh, I thought that was actually a lot smoother and a lot more action-based, and I thought that it, Nikki being crazy with Asuka being crazy, Kyrie doing all the flying, Bliss getting in all her shit, like, to me, this one felt like I wish they had had this match at WrestleMania because it actually kept my attention and I thought it was heads and shoulders better. So I know that everybody was giving me crap, but I just wanted to say that on SmackDown, this was probably, in my opinion, one of the best matches of the week. I did enjoy that match, even though it was, like you said, a rerun. I don't agree that it was better than WrestleMania. Maybe I'd have to watch them back-to-back to truly judge, but I do like that you're coming around. Um, I am curious to see... Um, how it goes going forward, because we saw backstage um, that clearly Bliss and Cross appear to be done with the Kabuki Warriors, and we can talk more about Kyrie later because there's you know some stuff with her. But uh, Mella and Dana Brooke appear to be a new tag team, and Naz might be the next contenders. I'm not super hot about that, but I will say in that segment, I was just I was trying to give it a chance because I do like Carmella. I think she's much more natural as a heel, but she's in this babyface role because she's over. But I was trying to give Dana Brooke a chance here. But, man, like, I don't know what the opposite of charisma is, but that's what Dana has. I believe they call it a charisma vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> that's what she is. It was tough to watch. She, she was trying so hard, but it was tough to watch. There are, there, there are people who pretend to be wrestlers, and there are people who are wrestlers. She, unfortunately, falls into the category of pretending. Ouch. Um, that doesn't mean she doesn't have a place and that she's not athletic. She just She's never going to break a certain level, unfortunately, and that's kind of whatever. Well, I want to stick with is. our uh, tag team themes um, because I enjoyed the two tag team segments from both shows. But I'm going to start with, hey, hey, ho, ho, Miz and Morrison. We got a live performance at the Performance Center this week on SmackDown, Adam. And I fucking loved it. I like That song, it's so bad, it's good. And watching them perform it and not being terrible live, I was impressed. I, I, I can't believe that you thought this was good live. Oh, I thought it was great. I, I, I couldn't care less about this. They, they, they're, they're making something that was a faux pas because Miz got sick, and they're like, okay, this week you're doing this. You know, you guys are going to have a match next week. Da, 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 da. Like it, To me, it just seemed like they're, they're taking something that were, they were dealt, and that's fine, and I'm okay with it. But it just it seems weird we're having tag team wrestlers have triple threats at WrestleMania and then a triple threat match again. Is it? A, I don't think it's a ladder match. I think it's just no, a regular No, I think it's a regular threat. match, yeah. Which, again... Not necessarily in, enjoyable, in my opinion. I think if we're going to make any sense of it, it should be another ladder match again to make Miz concuss when he falls. That would be funny to me. So However, I will give you that it doesn't make any sense, but these three teams together, I think, is incredibly entertaining. It's magical. And I think in the rain, it'll also be magical. And they're, yes, they're kind of slow playing it and whatever, but I don't mind it because uh, we're gonna probably going to talk about it later about another tag team that popped out on SmackDown. I don't want those guys to get anywhere near this right now. So I kind of want the top three teams to all be competing. And, I mean, 
that match, is it going to be weird? Of course. Does it make sense? No. But I just, it doesn't bother me because I am fully invested in Miz and Morrison right now as the champions because they're entertaining. And I am for the Usos eventually dethroning them. But I like having the New Day in there as well because it just, it's, it's just whenever, when these six guys get together, I just think it's endless entertainment. I think, I think that you're, you're a homer for some of these people. And I think that you're blinded. I, I like everyone. What's teams? the problem with that? These are all these are three of the best teams they have. They should be competing for the titles. It's entertaining. It's good television, WrestleMania. I, I don't disagree with you that they're the three best. What I'm disagreeing with you, JC, is that they don't do anything as a team yet. It's these one on one or these triple threats or these random ass matches. These aren't I don't care. I don't want to see this shit. If you're a tag team, I want to see who the best tag team is. I don't care who the best guy defending the tag titles is on one-on-one or in a triple threat. I don't give a shit about that stuff. You're a tag team. Highlight a tag team. And this is not a tag team matchup. It's stupid. I appreciate the gaga and the, the pomp and circumstance and the ha-ha of the ho-ho of uh, Miz and Morrison, <laughs> I guess. But it, And that's fine, and I can always get a giggle out of that. I think that, you know, when the bell rings, it's clearly New Day and Usos picking up the slack. But when it comes to the lead-up, the Miz and Morrison can kind of carry those two teams, in my opinion. But it's just too much for me when I have to watch something that isn't tag team wrestling disguised as tag team wrestling. And I think it's—I know everybody's going to tell you know tell me I'm wrong and all that sort of stuff. I'm off base or I'm out of bounds, whatever you want to talk about. I don't really give a shit. What I'm talking about here is that tag team wrestling should matter. And right now, I think that we have tag teams that are decent. I just wish they'd be highlighted in tag team ways. Well, you are out of bounds, and you're wrong, and all that you just said. I will agree with you on that portion, uh, but the, you know what? You want to get to good tag teams? I'm going to get to what was my favorite match of the week, and it happened on Raw, and it was between two tag teams. It is the Viking Raiders against Sedroche. Dun, 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 dun. I know uh, I you, Joe I really wants to make Rico Drick work, but I'm, uh, I'm Team Sedroche here. Did you pick, did you pick carry out that your own, or did you make that up? Or what? Well, Joe tweeted at me and said, uh, Rico Drick? And I was like, I prefer Ced Roche, so that's what I'm going with, even though Ricochet did tweet this morning and say that they're calling themselves Too Fly, which I guess is okay, it's, but I don't know. Ced Roche would be so much better. Which is too stupid. Too stupid. That's Get out of here. No, uh, I, I, look, look, the match was longer. I'm glad that the Viking Raiders woke up from whatever you know cave they came out of and beat the shit out of these uh, you know jumping gymnastic jobbers. Oh, get that's out of exactly here. What needed to happen. That's exactly what needed to happen. If the jumping gymnastic jobbers had won this matchup, I probably would have shaved my head. Just to let you know. Wow. I, so I, when I, they win the tag titles in a couple months, uh, I'm going to hold you to that. But I might join no, you because my hair is getting long, so maybe we'll shave our heads together. Uh, maybe. I don't know. My, my hair is getting Marty Jannetty length at this point. It is getting <laughs> uh, rocker-ish. It is bad. Uh, but look, I don't understand. So... Again, with tag team wrestling, at least they're waking up and they're doing something with it, but there is there's no need to be a tag team in any of these shows at any point, and, and it just seems like we're dusting them off. It's like, what are we doing here? We're in this weird essential, non-essential, you should come down, you maybe don't have to kind of WWE Performance Center bullshit, but God damn it, I was watching the Viking Raiders and I went, who's the heel? Who's the baby face? It seems like the Viking Raiders might be, and I know people are going to give me shit and say, oh, you know, we're at a point where it's not babyface, it's not heel, it's shades of gray. Androgynous. Androgynous. But there are things in this world that need to be understood. 
is that the Street Profits are clearly babyfaces, and they need to face a good heel tag team in order to show off how good of a babyface team they can be. Otherwise, they're going to be backstage promo after backstage promo, and eventually that'll be tiresome, don't you think? Well, I did enjoy their backstage promo this week, and the reason it was more than just like their usual like silliness, they involved Bianca, and I like that she was able to call them out and remind us, again, WWE recognizing their history, you guys have never beaten the Viking Raiders. Every time you have faced them, they have beaten you. So I like that because it does set up the feud, and I think they were probably headed towards AOP after WrestleMania before all this stuff happened, so I think your face heel thing would have made sense, but I think they're kind of just working on the fly now, and they look at it, and they're like, look it, we have we don't have many tag teams. We have this Lena boys, but they already have now beaten them twice. That's why they created a heel tag team, um, and they have these two other teams, which are clearly the only other teams that really exist on Raw. The Viking Raiders are a top team. They're back and working, so they're going to kind of make it work. I'm assuming they kind of will quote-unquote play the heels, but I think um, when these four guys get in the ring together, I think the majority, not you, the majority of the audience doesn't care because they know the four of them will put on a show. You know what's funny? I, every time you say the Zelina Vega boys, I think of Left Lonely Boys, How Far Is Heaven? <laughs> and every single time I'm going to see them from now on, the three of them, it's going to be How Far Is Heaven? Just every single time now. Los Lonely Boys, there they are. That's better than the, the Vega boys or whatever we were calling. I just, I love it. You're, you're a genius. Absolutely uh, genius. Wow, I'm, I'm flattered. I'm, I actually don't even know what to say to that. You probably have never even heard How Far Is Heaven, but that's okay. I have, actually. I know you're, Los Lonely Boys. I know, I know that JC isn't necessarily up on the pop culture. Na, na, da, 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 da. Okay. All right. Whatever. Whatever. Just saying. Well, um, by the way, but yeah. I was going to say, so, to going where, uh, taking off in the weeds very, very quickly. I know there's a Bachelor six week thing that I saw. We're talking about love. Just, I, I don't know how you feel about that, but it is what it is. So I, I haven't watched it because I didn't really know what it is. I don't know if I'm going to watch it, but, uh, you know, when in quarantine, you never know. But, uh, yeah, I uh, I did see they were doing something. I honestly, I don't know what it is, though. So, I think it's about people who are musically inclined falling in love. Oh. Well, that, that's interesting. That, that'll put butts in the seat. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm into that. I, I, I am curious how you feel uh, about, well, I, I was going to try to save this, I guess, but uh, let's just talk about it. I am curious how you feel about... Nia Jax making quick work of Kyrie Sane. Are we going to the Heat? Hey, do we have anything else in the babyface section? Because I clearly don't. I just want to say I did say think Tucker and Dolph was a good match and a good showcase uh, showcase for uh, Tucker. Dolph and Sonya said that footage was doctored, um, so that clearly that storyline is not completely dead. But I don't think that belongs in the Heat, so I'll mention that quickly before we get to the Heat. Okay, now we get to the section that goes get them off my television because there are a lot of things on here that I did enjoy, a lot of things I did not enjoy. And I'm going to start very quickly with Shane, sorry, not Shane. I thought we started with Nia Jax. I thought, sorry, Nia Jax, making quick work of Kyrie Sane. This one, first off, like, again, I don't necessarily have any problem with it in general, but I have have a problem with these whole, who's the baby face, who's the heel thing. You have a heel tag team in in the Kabuki Warriors. You have Nia Jax, who's a monster, but Kyrie Sane is wrestling as if she's a baby face against a giant monster, Nia Jax, who's wrestling like she's a heel monster. And it's just, there's such a disconnect for me when I'm watching these matches where I'm just like, I want to know who I'm supposed to cheer for. I want to know who I'm supposed to get behind. Because it seems like it's Nia Jax based on how she had a double ASEL return and everything like that. I appreciate that. But then Kyrie Sane is so uh, you know fun and, and, and adorable. It's just hard to figure out which one to, to go with. And I know people are going to say, well, just pick a side. It doesn't matter. Yeah, pick a side, Adam. 
who the fuck is Adam, JC? <laughs> I'm just saying, it's hard. It's hard for me in terms of storytelling, or and people are going to be like storytelling. We don't do that, but it, it just it's hard for me to be like. I just think they just fed Kyrie Sane to Nia for no fucking reason. Like you, you don't, you couldn't put like an up and comer or so, random Dana Brooke match or Carmella in there. I don't know something. Well, they're on the wrong show, but I think, um, I mean, I think this is multi-layered why I have issues with it. Um, I think it was just Kyrie being so small, it would make Nia look even better. They clearly don't really have plans for Kyrie Sane, as you've seen from her booking recent and a part of it. Um, if we want to get, you know, we don't like to dive into this, but her contract is up very soon and she might not be resigning. So I think they are just uh, feeding her to Nia to feed her to Nia. I think that's why Asuka's kind of going to slowly move into her own direction and do her own thing because. She's not going anywhere. I think that's part of it. But the other problem I have with this, not only the fact that they're doing my girl Kyrie Dirty, who I love, is that Liv Morgan and Natalia are on Raw, but they don't get Money in the Bank qualifying matches. They were the two that faced off at WrestleMania and everything, too. So it just it's, it doesn't make sense to me of why does Sarah Logan, who's never won a match in her entire freaking life, why is she getting a qualifying match? Or Kyrie Sane, who's on a losing streak of about 1,000 over these two who are, you know... Liv has actually been winning matches, and Natalia is Natalia, and they don't even get qualified. It's just like it doesn't make sense um, to me of why that's a thing, but uh, I guess it is what it is. I hope I have a I have two hopes that have to do with the uh, women's Money in the Bank matchup, but I think I, I I'm not going to blow it now, but maybe I'll do a double hope, seeing as though it is our fourth fourth birthday. I like it, especially because I don't know what I'm going to do for my hope yet. So that's good. Uh, it'll give that's me fine. some time. Uh, but I do want to say. Um, before we move on to other things, is Jerry the King Lawler returned this week? And did you hear what he said during the uh, Akira Tozawa match? I'm sure something racist. He said did, he called God. he called his senton a ramen noodle moonsault. Oh boy! This fucking guy, like, first of all, he sucks. He's terrible. None of us enjoy him. He should have been fired about eighty thousand times. He is a bigoted piece of garbage, and they continue to put him out there. He's not funny, and he, frankly, he's insulting. Why is he there? He is the heatiest of all the heat. I mean, you're not going to get any argument from me. I mean, the guy's like overblown and, and, and looks like a fat Elvis impersonator. I mean, I just, I can't deal with him. So it's hard for me to even take him seriously. And I wish that he'd get off my television. Something else that I thought would get into my, uh, into my craw a little bit more. Uh, maybe I'll see how you feel about it. Uh, Charlotte on my television on Raw. If she's an NXT superstar right now, I know they're going to say she's a Raw. Superstar, so she's not. She's a, that's, that is the thing. Is she is a Raw superstar. She just has the NXT title. It's an excuse but to use her not, everywhere. She's not going to be on Raw defending that championship. I bet. And if it is, it's not. It's very far and few between. Just saying. But she's still on Raw. Me. She might still compete on Raw though, because that's the thing. That's where she signed. She just won a championship elsewhere, so now she's double. It's it make it doesn't make sense. I understand your point, but there's the point of putting Charlotte on NXT was to help NXT. Yeah. They're not going to pull her away from Raw completely. I think some weeks she'll only be on NXT, but I think she's going to be doing double duty. If she does, here's here's my question to you: If she doesn't wrestle, she shows up and cuts promos every week about NXT and does not wrestle on Raw, even though she's a Raw superstar. Is that effective? Is that stupid? Is it good? Tell me. Um. I don't think it's ineffective because you have your number one female superstar on one of your shows that is much more watched than your other show holding a championship from the other show, therefore elevating it in theory. So I don't think it hurts it for us people that watch every week and are very invested. Um, do we care about it? Probably not because we probably all have the same thoughts, but I don't think it hurts. I think the entire point of Charlotte 
going quote unquote back to NXT was to help raise NXT stock. They're both on USA, so I think that it's it's probably like this is exactly what they're trying to do, and I think it's going to continue. Um, cause I think it was the whole point was just to get more exposure to NXT and to try to uplift some of the women down there. I don't want her on my television. She, yes, she's very good. She's probably the best ever. I, I just want her on NXT. If you win a championship in a certain brand, you stay on that show. You don't see Braun going somewhere else. If he had won another championship, you don't see anybody winning. Another but he championship hasn't. So, so I, I actually like, I think this has actually been said, especially in NXT, Jordan Devlin, when the cruiserweight title had never been on NXT started going to NXT. Cause that's where the title was. Now, obviously he but can't the, because he's stuck uh, in quarantine overseas, but I just, I don't, I don't think you're, I, the whole point of them doing this was to have Charlotte on both and to try to raise awareness to get viewers to NXT. It has nothing to do with you or me because we're already watching. It's for people that are only watching Raw because you see the huge discrepancy in the ratings. I don't want her on my television because I feel as if she's taking away a spot from somebody else who definitely deserves it. She's already made what she's going to do. If she comes out every week in a dress or a suit or whatever and talks about how great she is one more time, I swear to God, JC, I'm going to shut off my television. I'm going to go to bed and I'll wake up and I'll watch something else the next day. I swear to God, if she's on NXT, let her stay on NXT. If she's supposed to elevate people, she can come in every once in a while. That's fine. But if she's on every fucking week, if she's every week doing something, I think this is an atrocious attempt at something that is just double dipping for no fucking reason because it's like, hey, NXT, nobody's really watching, and you should watch it now because Charlotte's on it. Or, oh, don't pay attention to AEW because we've got Charlotte, which, again, Charlotte's better than everybody on the AEW roster, so that should be enough, but it's not. And I, it's, just, it's hard for me to go and sit through this every fucking week. When I, and I think this is my biggest takeaway from everything I've seen from SmackDown and Raw this week. All these promos were fluff. They were chuffa. They were absolutely nothing. Nada. They didn't mean a damn thing. They were just sitting here talking nonsense out of both sides of their ass, and it was just fluff to get to fluff to get to something else that maybe mattered somewhere. It didn't. It, it just, it's just hard for me to watch these promos now, as we talked about at the beginning of this program, where everything seems very action-based, wrestling-based. These promos are nothing but fluff. Drew came out and cut a promo, which was fine. It set the tone for the main event, whatever. But every other promo, Becky came out there, and, and I find her tiresome. I mean, Andrade had a backstage segment that I thought was just filler anyway, even though they've had multi-promos. Shayna Baszler, we'll talk about in a second. She had a filler promo that was two seconds. It's just there's there's nothing of building blocks here in any of these promos, that I, at least for me. I don't – nothing at all. And, I mean, Charlotte basically backhanded Io Shirai in her promo – by being like, now, Io Shirai, I'm ready for you, yada, yada, yada. It just, it, it just didn't seem right to me. It just seems like everybody's trying to grasp at straws, throw shit against the wall, see what sticks, and I commend them for it. But it, it doesn't look like a proper professional way to go about it, where it just seems like you're filling three hours to, just to supplement three hours. Instead of putting on, I'd rather watch other matches than see some of these promos, because they just don't make fucking sense. They just They go out there and they'd be like, I'm a champion and I'm going to defend it, and I'm going to face you. And if I don't have a championship match, I'm waiting for somebody, and I'm going to beat you, whoever it is, whenever that time comes. It's just, it, I understand it, but it's, it's unnecessary. It's, just, it's a reason to put somebody on your television. I get it, but it's just fucking stupid. Give me more guys who don't get opportunities. Give me more girls who don't give me more opportunities, get opportunities. This shit needs to stop. Like, it, like I get that you need to put people on television, 
But some of these people don't need to be on television. Well, the, doc- really the doctor will see you now, and I will now diagnose the issue that you're having. First of all, number one, there are way less promos on these shows than there have ever been because of this, and that's why I think there's been more wrestling. Number two, promos more than anything else, especially when you go to that ring, need a crowd. And the fact that you don't have one right now, every single promo is going to feel lame, lame unless it gets some sort of treatment. And we're also coming off the lead-up to WrestleMania, where they found very effective ways to give a lot of their superstars promos very good treatment, like the Edges or the Cena's. Like, they gave them good treatment, and plus, those guys are the best in the world. Now they're getting back to, yes, their generic shtick of sending them out there. With with the crowd, some of these promos might be okay. Some of them would probably still be useless. Like, that Becky promo probably wouldn't have a use if it was in front of every single, like loud smark in the world that could like make noise like it it wouldn't matter because it was a useless promo so i don't disagree there but i will say that there there are way less like i said but i will say as much as i don't like the guy seth rollins promos i thought were effective backstage they were short they kind of got us there the interview promos for the most part were useless the post-game interviews after the matches like i don't mind the idea of it i thought the oscar one was funny but the other ones are just kind of like meh. But I think that's part of like what the you're suffering from is that obviously like with these promos, there's nothing for them to react to with a crowd. So they come off super lame because it's just a guy in a fucking empty room talking with a mic to a camera. Like that's not exciting. So I think, yes, they do need to get better at treating these more like they did in the lead to WrestleMania. And yes, I do will take the defense for them that that's probably harder to do every week, especially with all the moving parts they have going on, not knowing who's going to be there for the show and who's not and everything constantly changing. But I think that's part of what, what we're all suffering from when we see this stuff. And I think that's part of the reason why we've seen it, especially on Raw even more, is that there's been more matches with those underutilized stars of just being like, you know what? The best thing we can do right now to showcase our talent is to actually have them wrestle what they're paid to do as opposed to trying to build like characters or stories because it's a lot more difficult without a crowd and with all these extenuating circumstances. And building up what you just said, JC, or turning your words against you, whichever way you want to look at it, it, we're headed towards money in the bank where there doesn't need to be any fucking stipulations. So they, they're cruising probably till June, July. Yeah, but how is that? Anything. Honestly, that's not much different than after WrestleMania normally. And now, especially with the circumstances, I'm not going to hold anything against them with stuff because we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. They might have this plan for a superstar. Then either they get sick or they don't travel or they decide not to travel anymore. AJ Styles probably was like, bury me alive because I'm not coming back till this is over. And when I do, it'll be a big moment. And I'm sure there's a lot of cases like that. Obviously, we know it's the case with Roman Reigns. And I think that's a lot of it is just just because Sheamus actually got here this week, but I think he was stuck overseas for a while, but he's here now. So I'm assuming he's going to be here now moving forward. But we don't know. Same thing could be like happening with someone like Daniel Bryan who travels there. What if he just stops coming next week and they have these plans for him and they got to change at the last minute? So I think that's a lot of what it's going to be like. Yes, they're inconsistent all the time, but I think now more than ever is like the one time there's actually a defense for it. I don't know. I think you're being a little bit of a WWE homer, which I'm surprised. No, I think you're just being way too critical than you need to be for something that where the fact that it's even happening is like a miracle. And the fact that they got labeled essential, which we know there were some backdoor deals there with all that. But I mean, it exists, which I think we all agree that having wrestling is better than not having wrestling. So it's hard to get really needling on stuff that there are likely tons of extenuating circumstances they can't control. You exhaust me. You really do. You know what else exhausts me? Tamina. Without her theme song. First of all, if you're going to make me live through Tamina, at least have her like with the good theme song that we talked about when you were, when she came back. Tamina. Instead, they changed her music. But her challenging Bailey, literally, like, I can't roll my eyes harder 
than Tamina feuding for a championship. Like, it just, you know that match is going to be the drizzling shits. You know the promos and lead-up are going to be the drizzling shits. They're going to feed Sasha to her next week so Tamina can get the chance. It's just everything about this I'm just so disenchanted with. It feels like you just talked yourself out of whatever you were saying in the last segment. You just, you said this whole thing, and then you get, you said you regurgitate. No, because this was clearly a plan with her. This is clearly a plan of something that's not good. No, because they built up Tamina before that match and they had her get eliminated first by everyone to set this up. This has been a plan and we know they take that stuff early. This has been in the plans for like two months. This isn't like a last minute thing. This is something they've thought about would be like Tamina is what we need. Are you telling me that they actually thought two months in advance? Yes, because they they, they taped these matches, the WrestleMania matches, two months ago, and that's where they set the stage for all this stuff to happen. They've been building towards this. I could have like when when I predicted Bailey to retain in that match, which I was correct on. um, I you knew they were heading towards Tamina. I yeah, but I predicted it before I had the insider information. Oh yeah, so suck on that, biatch. All right, Enron. Well, because it's true, because I got the other one that I actually won the bet for Ron, because when we did predictions, I didn't know. Uh-huh, sure. Yeah, sure. so suck it. Not playing it. Yep, Smarter sure. than you. Gonna, listen, 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 I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to say yes or no. I'm telling you right now, Tamina is like one fly TP. It's not your first, it's not your second, oh, it's God. your third option. That's ex- in, in, a, in a quarantine state, folks, everybody's wiping with one fly, and they all hate it. it, it Tamina is one fly. That's exactly what it is. And she is, you're telling, you you are nuts if you think they had anything to do with dropping an idea, a, a, a germ of an idea about Tamina. They've been setting this serious? up, Nestlemania. They have been setting it up. Go ask your inside sources, because I guarantee you this one is definitely a, oh, let's see who we have. Dana Brooke? No. Mella? No. Let's give Tamina a chance. I think that would have only been the case if they didn't tape WrestleMania three weeks before it happens, which that would mean, because they set the stage for all this. This was a stage that was set, and it sucks. I, I can't. I, I can't talk about stamina anymore. I really can't. Well, did you? Are you do you want to forget about it? Well, I, I could be one of the forgotten sons. Forget <laughs> about it. So, so here's 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 this is where I get super critical. This is this is the part where I, I sound like a complete jackass, and I don't really care. The forgotten sons come out and they do this whole. I'm sure this gimmick would have been way more over when fucking what was that FX show that F Sons of Anarchy. This would have probably been way more, and I would have totally tapped into that potential of it. But I feel like this is 14 years too late. I'm probably over-exaggerating the time. But it's just three guys, two of which were Marines, thank you for your service. But then there's random Buddy Murphy tag team partner guy <laughs> who, who, in my opinion, I and I say this with the love and respect and the admiration of, of uh, knowing people who are working hard to become wrestlers, that guy looked awfully doughy to be a professional wrestler. And if that's your debut and you look like you got saddlebags and love handles and all sorts of shit hanging off your tights, you should be ashamed of yourself. I thought if it just the guy on the outside from TNA, I forget, I don't know what name they call him now because they all sound generic Jackson enough. Jackson Riker. Riker, excuse the me. The big guy. He looks like a, he looks like a million dollars. That's the guy my eyes were focused on during that matchup. I didn't care about the Lucha Losers. I didn't care about the Forgotten Sons. I cared about Riker. That guy looks like somebody put on a poster. The other people in this matchup, the the dude that was bald that was a Marine and the the Buddy Murphy guy, whatever, the, they did nothing for me. And the, this, this to me was, it, it just, it bothered the fuck out of me. It made me go, not go, not go away heat. It just felt like you're going to show up like that. 
well, can't do that. And I think part of it was that they literally, they came out, and they were trying so hard to put these guys over. Michael Cole said they dominated NXT, which that is an insult to obviously anyone who watches NXT because these guys, like, yes, they had good matches with a lot of the tag teams because those two guys are good workers. That's why they've been in the Performance Center for, like, 10 years. These guys have been there as long as, like, the Dawkins and the Jason Jordans and all those. It's just they never really, like you know, found something that worked for them. So they kind of threw them together when they got this giant behemoth and made him a stable just to have, like you said, your eyes are drawn to him. And those are the guys in the ring doing all the work. And I think this was just a case of like, we see it a lot of times with some of the NXT talents. It's like at some point, like you're useless in NXT and you just have to be called up or fired. So now they're going to be called up and now it'll be sink or swim. They'll probably like, they always do with a lot of these call-ups. They'll push them for like a month or two. Then they'll lose to like the new day. And then they'll just go back to, we'll see them. Uh, they'll take the Lucha house party spot every six months and lose a tag team match. But it just, I don't know. I just hate when they insult us with stuff being like they dominated NXT. It's like, oh, for the love of God to stop. And we know another reason they probably called them up immediately is because they needed uh, a tag team to replace the Revival, and these guys like look like the Revival because they're just like generic good wrestlers, but they're not the Revival. But I think that was also part of it, is they're going to try to make them as good as the Revival, which is laughable. And they was like, you know, Forgotten Sons. How does that make anybody feel good? You know, exactly. It's, you know, so it's just, it's hard. It's hard. And speaking of something that made me, I thought I thought was an opportunity lost. We come out, we have Braun, who looks good with the championship, looks excited, all that shit. He comes out and he cuts a promo, and then out comes Knock Knock Nakamura, which I thought was fucking hysterical uh, because he, he missed an opportunity to be like he did Knock Knock, and then, you know Nakamura is the next thing in my brain, right? Doesn't say it. What the fuck? But anyway, we get to the main event. Ron wins big time over Nakamura, which was fine. I'd have no problem with it. But here's where I have a problem with this thing: is that we go right into the feud with Bray Wyatt. I think that I was really hoping. We were going to have some time with this. I thought we were going to have some minutiae in between. Maybe it's just some paper, tomato can kind of uh, competitors go up against Braun for a while. And having the Firefly Funhouse pop up right away, I was just like, oh, I'd rather sink my teeth into this, you know, maybe in the summertime or something. It just, it, 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 it gets underneath my skin because I feel like it's a panic button move. Yeah, I don't disagree, and I think the argument you literally just made for this is the same argument I made for the WWE Championship. Is just like I like we knew Braun would get to Bray eventually, and that would be a big time feud. And I'm actually into that. I'm very excited for that type of feud. I also knew that Drew and Seth made a lot of sense, but the fact that they went to them immediately is, I think, what threw threw uh, both of us off in these two different cases. It's just we were looking for them to have a few like just you know pins to knock down before they get to the big one. But yeah, it's going to be interesting because. Um, I'm assuming they'll fight at Money in the Bank and it'll be some sort of schmoz um, to continue this probably to get us to SummerSlam. But I also look at it and be like, I don't know how Braun retains the title in this by the end of this feud. Like, I think this feud is built to kind of um, prop Bray up and get him back. But I don't – I just – I don't know. It's – that's why, yes, I, the timing is just weird because I, 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 well, I'm not going to lie. Like, when it happened, like, live, I was a little excited because I've wanted Bray and Braun for a while, ever since Braun's established himself uh, on his own. This was the guy who brought him in. But at the same time, it's like, man, I have the same feelings as you. Was like, I wish this wasn't right away. It just it, it bothers me. It leaves a sour taste in my mouth because I feel like instead of letting something simmer, let it stew, let it have some time, let it marinate, this one is just so much just okay, we know that SmackDown is, and I'm not exaggerating. I mean, like, Braun's a decent-looking champion, and he's going to do a good job. 
but it's just like besides the Otis and Tucker thing, uh, Otis and Mandy thing, sorry, which is kind of floundering now that we've kind of hit the, the apex of it. The tag team thing is great, but that you can't do that for two hours every week. It's just like there's nothing there. You do a, a Jeff Hardy retrospective, and it's like, eh, whatever. I it's about just, that. There's just so many things that I'm just like, I mean, and that's why I thought Jeff Hardy was going to be perfect to go against the Fiend to let the Fiend have a couple of wins. Yes. Because I, I feel like Jeff Hardy, Jeff Hardy has that demon kind of like had a bad life. They talked about his, you know, ups and his downs. And I think having Bray Wyatt face Jeff Hardy, as much as I'm not a Jeff Hardy fan, makes a lot of sense for the Fiend because I think that, you know, Jeff Hardy can do the face paint and do the like weird shit that he was doing. Like, I just think it's, it's just, it seems like a better idea for me and I could see it I'm assuming after Braun loses to Bray maybe that's where we're headed until Roman comes back or maybe wait we wait a whole nother year for Roman to kind of you know take claim to what's his but I just I look at Jeff Hardy and I think it's a logical choice and he's a star as much as I don't enjoy it and it pains me to say it I think that Jeff Hardy versus the Fiend and keeping the Fiend away from Braun would have been what I would have liked to see because then you could have you know fed some tomato cans to Braun and make him a little bit you know stack those W's and it then you get Braun, and then you get The Fiend at, at SummerSlam fresh. Everybody's excited for it, and it gets you into that WrestleMania-ish feel that SummerSlam kind of has sometimes. But now we're stuck watching another probably Jeff Hardy look-back opportunity, whatever, package, and we have to deal with that. And then we have to watch Firefly Funhouse every week while Braun just sits there and says, I'm ready to let you in. You know, it's like, okay, Ogre, what are we doing? But it is what it is. Yeah, and uh, I actually, while you were talking, created a hope about that, um, but I will let you run through any more heat you have before we get there. All right, just a quick heat. Let's see if I have forgotten anything. Nope, we're good on that one. Uh, we talked about Becky being tiresome. We didn't talk much about Baszler in her promo, which she was asked about Ronda. Oh, okay, yes, that's a good one. That's something we should probably touch upon because it, it may be a work, 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 especially since you had said something earlier about it. I think it's probably worth talking. Um, I think uh, Lashley telling uh, his wife to shut up and beating Jobber Jose, that was fun as well. And I think we're done. So there you go. If you want to talk about the Shayna Baszler comment, go right ahead. Yeah, so um, obviously this was something that developed uh, over last week is Ronda Rousey just, like, destroying, saying, what you say, like, fuck kayfabe or screw kayfabe or something like that and just, you know, pretty much saying that, you know, it's wrestling like it's whatever it's like even though people get hurt blah blah it's nothing like mma blah blah blah. so obviously the minute i heard it it just always screams work because we know at some point that ronda probably is going to come back um but the fact that they brought it to television was interesting that they mentioned it to Shayna backstage and she didn't really give an answer every other pretty much uh superstar on the roster had some answer on twitter including lana so we can look forward to lana rousey at some point yippee um but it's certainly um, the fact that they asked Shayna is teasing something where um, obviously they have the four horsewomen of MMA. Um, that's always been a thing. Eventually we're probably going to have a horsewoman, horsewoman match. But it was also interesting because it was like, what if they, if they do pull Baszler away from Becky? And at SummerSlam, they really wanted to go for something. I don't think this will happen. But Rousey, what if Baszler maybe now that she's been in wrestling for a while – and they started, they kind of teased her being a baby face going into WrestleMania, but didn't follow through with it. Like, is Baszler Rousey a thing they would actually book? Because that, I think, would certainly be interesting. I don't know what it would be like, but I just think it opened up a lot of possibilities. And the fact that they're acknowledging, obviously, it screams even more so that it's a work. Yeah, I think that definitely she's coming back, or that they would have done it to at least pique some interest, at least what they did in... Paul Heyman is a mastermind in terms of, you know, piquing your interest. Even if it's not something they're going to come back to, at least Ronda Rousey 
gave them some type of uh, adrenaline shot, even if she's not coming back right away. Um, but I will talk more about this in my hope because I think that uh, it's interesting to me about how everything kind of transpired uh, going forward with what we saw on Monday night. All right, let's hear it. Glorious! You are my only hope. So here's my first hope. Uh, do you want me to go two hopes to give you some time? Whatever you your heart hope, desires. Your hope? Whatever your heart desires. Right. My hope is for Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch at Money in the Bank, which I think is where we're going. But I also think is going to end up happening based on watching Sarah Logan getting hurt is I think that Baszler is going to continue to beat up a lot of the women that are in the Money in the Bank on the Raw side. And I do believe that we will see Ronda Rousey make an appearance at Money in the Bank and win Money in the Bank. That way she can show up, have the Brock schedule, leave whatever she wants to do, and beat Becky whenever she decides that she's going to do it. And I think she's going to use the help of Baszler by just beating up everybody else in the roster. I think it's something we won't see coming, and it'll be one of those things like Brock ran in you know, at the last minute and won because he didn't want to do shit. I think it's going to be very similar to that aspect of the uh, the connection that we're going to do. That's my first hope for the women's point of the bank. Okay, so one question. You do know that Baszler actually won that match and is in Money in the Bank, correct? Baszler? No, they said the no, winner, your so winner is Sarah Logan. The rain announcer fucked up. They clarified it on commentary. It was Asuka, Baszler, and Nia Jax are the Money in the Bank for Raw. Ah, uh, okay. So yeah, the, the rain announcer that's fucked that's up. That's why it was so confusing because I saw people say on Twitter and then I watched it and I heard it. Then the announcers were like, no, Baszler won because Sarah Logan could not compete. So... That's well, the... that's my fault for leaving it on mute then because I was trying to hope <laughs> think that. So here's my real hope then. Sasha Banks wins Money in the Bank, toys with Bailey, and they work it into the story. So Ooh. she holds on and she thinks that her friend is protecting her by never having to cash it in. Uh, or, you know, she'll turn on her at a certain point because Banks will be money in the banks and uh, hold that over her friend when eventually she turns on her. That's where the money's at, baby. That's what I think is going to end up happening then. My only worry is that they haven't really announced uh, Money in the Bank qualifiers for SmackDown yet, but we do have that Tamina-Sasha match this week, which we expect Tamina to win. But yes, I am hopeful that Sasha gets in there because um, I do also think that Nia Jax is someone that they could I could see winning Money in the Bank, um, and she could also be someone that could cash in on Becky, I think, in the same night, depending on what they do with that. So that's a little worrisome, but... I do think that, at least so far, for the women's money in the bank, I find that much more interesting than the men's because we're looking at Asuka, Shayna Baszler, and Nia Jax, and then I look at the men's from Raw, and it's Rey Mysterio versus Buddy Murphy, Aleister Black versus Austin Theory, and Apollo Crews versus MVP. There's no Kevin Owens, no Seth Rollins, no Andrade, no Randy Orton, no Edge, no AJ Styles, no Bobby Lashley. You run down the list of all these top Raw stars, and this is what we get. Obviously, I think Aleister Black makes a lot of sense, but at least in the women's, there appears to be a lot more beef, at least so far. I, I'm telling you right now, based on how they're pushing Apollo Crews, it makes me awfully scared that I've just... <laughs> That I have dethroned <laughs> Apollo Crews as a Nestle guy, and he is in. He's probably going to beat MVP and get into the Money in the Bank, and I'm going to be very nervous if, if Apollo Crews proves me wrong and be, becomes a uh, disenchanted Nestle guy and becomes Money in the Bank winner. I'll, I'll lose my shit. Wouldn't that be something? I think it's more likely that he gets in that match and he does like a really cool, awesome spot, and that's why he's in it. But uh, yeah, that matchup at least it did kind of catch my eye because it was like, okay, this is just. This is, of course, Apollo Crews. Now that Nestle's disowned him, here he comes. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. It's just the way that it is, folks. 
All right, well, I'm going to get into my hope. Um, we talked about this a bit already with Bron and Thien, but I was trying to think, because I remember I was actually thinking about this on Friday when I was watching, and I didn't write it down because I was probably watching it as I fall asleep like I normally do, so I didn't write it down. But it came back to me as we were talking about it, and I was thinking, I was like, man, how do we make this interesting? Because obviously I think eventually their feud is, I mean, I think it could be really good, especially the story with it. I don't know what the match would end up being or whatever, but I think it just is, there's a lot of history between these two guys, and, you know, it just makes sense the way these two match up. But I was thinking, I was like, the one thing that caught me is, you kind of mentioned it earlier, is Braun said, I'm going to let you in. And obviously we know that can mean a million different things. But one thing we really haven't seen with this new iteration of The Fiend is obviously the uh, Bray Wyatt used to have some sort of control over Braun Strowman when he was the black sheep of the Wyatt family. And somehow Braun broke it. But, and obviously we've done this before with the Daniel Bryans and the Randy Ortons and everything, but I was like, what if the Fiend is really like puppet mastering Braun somehow once we start this feud and Braun's still the champion and just running through everyone, but it's actually for the Fiend. And it would set it up where it would be different than just a regular feud of them going back and forth. I don't. I think it would take some execution. There'd have to be a lot of production value going into it. But I think it would be interesting, especially because I think it could make sense given their history. Um, the only fear is that obviously Braun is, you know, he's they treat him as a babyface for what, as whatever. But and this would kind of put him in that darker area. But I think it would at least give this feud a little more interest. And then obviously the payoff eventually would be that Braun would break it. Um, whether that happens before or after, somehow the Fiend gets the title, but it could also be a different way for the Fiend to have control over the Universal Championship without actually having it and using Braun as like his patsy or his muscle to go through. Um, so that's my hope. It'd just be something different. I don't, I don't know if they'd be able to execute it or if it would even be interesting, but I was trying to think of a way to maybe like it would give this feud some more layers as opposed to just being this and maybe set it up more so we get the bigger payoff later in the year when we actually wanted it. Uh, hashtag JC's hopes come true. Hashtag JC knows. Uh, that's an interesting take. I don't know what they're going to do with it. I think that, like you said, it's definitely not going to be over after one match. This could be the feud that gets us through the summer. Who knows? Yep. Uh, don't Go call on. it a comeback, Nestle. Um, some of them have been there for years. Why don't you kick us off this week? I'm going to give mine to Oni Lorkin yeah. against the match uh, against Alistair uh, Black. Uh, 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 the, uh, the lucky man from Boston. I enjoy his stuff. I clearly obviously followed him for a very long time. I thought this was going to be a jobber match. And nope. quite frankly, this was super physical. Great match. It showed off both Orny's toughness as well as the slickness of Alistair Black. It didn't look like a simulated, you know, kung fu fight. It looked like a real fight, which was nice. It didn't look like something gymnastic y too much. It felt like it was some grit to it, some, you know, two guys struggling versus, you know, watching, you know, Ricochet bounce off, pew, 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 oh, doing shut up. things. And, but this was, you know, this is better. Orny Lorcan had that feeling. I think he matched up really well, styles wise, with. Alistair Black, and I think that uh, Oni Lorcan is kind of an unsung hero of what he can do. He's been on UK, he's been on NXT, he's been on SmackDown, he's been on Raw. I think he's kind of a plug-and-play uh, utility player. He's very good. He's, he's got a good look. He's got a good attitude. He's got everything going for him. He's a Boston boy, so clearly I'm uh, I'm very biased. But I think like somebody like him deserves a, a comeback, there's, deserves a shout-out because he's doing such great things, and I think he deserves the time that he got. Couldn't agree with you more. I like that comeback. Now, my comeback this week... It's going to be a little different, and uh, I can already feel WrestleMania's eye roll. But you know what? We're going with it. I'm going over to AEW this week to give out my comeback. And what? WrestleMania. The doctor will see you now. I'm going to give it to Britt 
Baker. No, seriously. And um, I know I read Joe's AEW article. I know he agrees with me, um, at least partially with this. Is Obviously, her character work, I think, has gotten really, really good after the initial of we were all over her because she was awful in the rain. But her match with Hikaru Shido last week, which I think a lot of it has to do with Hikaru Shido, who I think could be a huge star if they do if they do it correctly with her because she is incredible in the ring. She's already one of my favorites to watch, and I think, like, the stalwart of that division. But I, I'm... Not only did Brick get the bloody nose, you got that added to it. It gives it more of a look. It makes it memorable. makes it unique. My hot take is that was the best match, best women's match in AEW history last week on Dynamite. So that's why Brick Baker gets my comeback because she went from being someone we didn't want in our TV at all to now being one of the more interesting characters and having the greatest women's match in AEW history. Well, that's not hard at all because, I mean, quite frankly, every match has been a fucking stink. Yes, I mean, I but I, that's I, why this one stood out so much to me, and the fact that she was part of it is what blew me away. Let me ask you this. How much did blood uh, sway you? Let I think it put here. it over the top because um, I did think the match was really good because, like I said, I think Hikaru Shida is really, really good in the ring, and I thought Britt held her own with her. Um, and, yes, the blood adds to it because it made it even more memorable. It's something where someone says that, and you remember, man, that match was really good, too. So that's why I think everything put together, that it was by far the best thing that they've ever done. They gave them time. And, uh, yeah. So that's why Britt Baker gets my comeback, because I would be remiss if we didn't talk about it this week. Gross. I can't believe you did that. It's, uh, hey. Erroneous. Hey, Erroneous. Those are probably Erroneous. Those are probably my two favorite in that division now, by far, so. Okay, fine. Whatever. Let's move on. Big finish. One, two, three. Whatever. Um, so, whatever. Uh, we obviously have those Money in the Bank qualifying matches uh, for Raw. Um, I would assume that we're going to have Apollo Crews, Aleister Black, and Rey Mysterio Buddy, I think, is the more interesting one. So I'm curious what you could think, but I'm assuming it'll be Rey Mysterio. I would think based on everything that's going to happen in this matchup, I think Rey Mysterio has to be in there for some type of star power. I think Buddy would be better in terms of – I would love to see everybody in the Money in the Bank match be somebody that hasn't had a championship or hasn't had that moment to break through. Rey Mysterio clearly has had two or three world championships. He's already broken through. But I think that having Ray in there creates that wow factor that you're always looking for in a matchup like that. So I'm hoping – in my, my heart of hearts, I want Buddy to win, but I know that Mysterio most likely will win, and that's what I have to deal with. An internal struggle. Yeah, I I, I agree, because I would love to see Buddy get that opportunity, but I, I will say I think that match next week on Raw will be super hot fire. Uh, SmackDown, I don't believe they put out matches for the uh, Money in the Bank, but uh, they did mention on commentary that Daniel Bryan will be having a qualifying match, um, so I would assume he would be one of the ones in there. I think Cesaro would certainly be a good candidate. Obviously, you got Sami Zayn and Nakamura as part of their little team, um, but I was curious, beyond Daniel Bryan, who else do you think could uh, be representing SmackDown on the men's side? I mean, Jesus, they're probably going to put Otis in there just because, you know, I mean, like, I don't, I, I would assume Jeff Hardy would need to be in Jeff there. Jeff Hardy makes sense, yep. Sheamus would make sense, uh, even though Sheamus has already won. I would like to see Sami Zayn in there, but I doubt it's going to happen. Dolph Ziggler's always a case that you can make for, uh, it just, it depends on who's available. It really, it seems like SmackDown doesn't have a lot of available mid-card people um, in terms of, I think you might have nailed it, though. I wasn't thinking of Sheamus. I think Jeff Hardy and Sheamus would make a lot of sense uh, with Daniel Bryan. I would like to see Cesaro get in there, but I don't think that'll happen. I do think Sami Zayn's going to have a match with somebody else, so I don't think he'll be a part. Um, 
but I do I think you're definitely on to something with Jeff Hardy and obviously I think Sheamus would be a candidate as well the woman's on Smackdown I think you already mentioned Sasha would be a good one and then I think Lacey and Naomi would make a lot of sense for the other two considering Carmella and Dana are a tag team so I don't really see much to fight about well, on remember that they one. already remember they already set up Naomi versus Dana and the money in the bank after the fact that Mella and Dana had asked for titles so I don't it just it always I always hate that because I might as well just shoot you know put Naomi already in there it might as well just give a graphic with Naomi in it because Dana asking for a match for tag titles, but also asking having a match against Naomi for a qualifier makes no fucking sense whatsoever. So. I don't. I actually completely agree with you on that. Um, but I also am curious, is because um, they. I think they could leave Sasha out because I think uh, Mandy or Sonya could be someone who could possibly get in there too. Uh, depending. Well, remember, remember they have a Mandy and Sonya clearing the air segment. Yes, so that that's why they might also be completely left out because we could just have a mixed tag at frickin' Money in the Bank between Dolph and Sonya and Mandy and Otis or something, and they could be completely separate, but who knows? Um, but I will say, uh, do you want to jump to uh, NXT? Because I know there's a couple things that I uh, want your opinion on. We already kind of hit on EO winning the number one contender. I think we're all thrilled with that because we love EO, and EO Charlotte will be a super hot fire match, but... Uh, they had their big Ch- Champa Gargano TJ uh, love fest last week, and I was curious your thoughts on that match. Uh, look, I mean, I think if it was a regular Gargano Champa match where they would have gone fifty minutes and everybody would have jacked off to it and thought it was great, you know, like TJ, <laughs> you know, it's fine. Uh, but for me, this, having them do their cinematic bit for a third time, third time killed it for me. I thought it, it took me completely out of it, out of terms of. Everything they've done, I thought this was the worst thing they, they did. Not necessarily saying that it was bad. It's just they've had such a high-caliber match after a high-caliber match after a high-caliber match that I think they've kind of painted themselves into a corner, so I'm glad that this is kind of over for now-ish, hopefully. Um, I did like – the one thing I did like was the end. I thought it was strong. I thought it was really, really strong, um, especially with seeing, you know, your girl and Killer Cross in the, uh, in the, the limo. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice little touch. Uh, but having Candice kind of turn heel, thank God, because she's, to me, she is bland like milk. I mean, she is, does nothing for me. And in any sense, that she might as well be Kelly Kapowski. That she's just, she's the girl next door that does nothing. She, she's just, everybody stare at her and that's it. And so for her having some type of third layer to her, maybe would make her a three-dimensional person. So I'm happy. Maybe they do something with her and Johnny taking over NXT. That'd be great. Uh, I don't know where Champa goes from here. It's a nice question mark. But in terms of that cinematic kit, get that shit out of here. I'm done with it. Uh, it. It's nice to have, but NXT should not be in the cinematic universe of the WWE, in my opinion. Yeah, I didn't think this match really needed it. We knew it was going to be long, but I do understand why they did it. I'll be honest, um, and I even told this to TJ in our thread, I did fast-forward a lot of the middle of it just because it didn't have me, but the end did have me. The end was very interesting. Um like that whole sequence with Candace, like you mentioned, there, and then even outside, they're walking away. You could, you know, put on your detective uh, monocle and see that it was Killer Cross and the smoke show Scarlett Bordeaux in the uh, car watching Johnny and Candace setting up a possible feud, which I think is exciting. It'll be interesting. But um, the other thing from NXT I wanted to hit on is Jordan Devlin stuck over in the UK. He is the current cruiserweight champion. Instead of having him defend it over there until they, we can get back to normal, they are going to have an interim cruiserweight champion. They actually put out the brackets, and the man of the hour, Leo Rush, wasn't even in it, which I thought was egregious. Um, no Angel Garza either, or so he appears to be up on the main roster for good. But uh, what are your thoughts on having an interim cruiserweight champion? This isn't the UFC, folks. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily appreciate it. I think it's stupid. I mean... I look at all these guys. Yeah, there's there's some great talent in the here, and I think it'll be fun. But I think you're derailing Jordan Devlin by doing this. I mean, 
Kushida is great. Drake Maverick, thanks for coming. Not going to be there. Tony Nese, I don't give a shit about. Jake Atlas, I, I don't know anything about him in terms of, I mean, I'm sure he's really good, but I mean, to me, he's not going to win. Swerve is probably the front runner besides Kushida. Uh, or the new guy. Fantas- Fantasmo looks great, but he's only, you know, fit, to me, not necessarily there. Tozawa's there to eat a pin. Jack Gallagher's there to eat a pin. So really it comes down to Swerve and, and, and like I said, Kushida. And I, I just, I don't see, you know, I, I understand what they're doing and what they need to do for a certain reason, but at the same time, like, Jordan Devlin was on such a roll. He's so much better than all eight guys, in my opinion. Yep. I mean, I, in my, he's just, he's head and shoulders above the rest in charisma and in, in look and in everything he does in the, in the ring. I mean, his finisher is better than everybody else's. I just, there's something about that guy. He's mini, he's mini, you know, Prince Balor, I guess is the best way to look at it, but He's, you know, he does his good. He's, he's shaking what he can be and be something different. He's, he's just the whole package. And I look at all these guys and I go, eh, eh, eh. Like none of these guys move the needle for me. Don't care. Yeah, and I, I tend to agree with you. And especially that was my initial reaction. I will say the one positive is that um, I know Shawn Michaels is heavily invested in Jordan Devlin. He's the one who pushed for him to get over here and do some stuff because he thinks he's incredible, as he should. Clearly has a good eye for talent. Um but uh, I think that they're kind of heading towards when this all comes back is that obviously Jordan Devlin's going to feud with this person when they get back and they're going to hang the two titles above a ring and have a ladder match and literally just replay history. And I think that could be an exciting match. But yeah, I just, I don't, I still don't love it even with that nice, beautiful tease that uh, TJ kind of pushed me towards. But yeah, I, I tend to have a lot of the same sentiments you do. Gross. Get it off it. I don't want to care about it. I, I, I hate this whole, like, I'm the fake champion. No, I'm the real champion. I, you know, it, it's good every once in a while, which is fine. But I don't know if, like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not even going to say this right now because Kushida probably won't be able to handle the verbal game. So it's got to go to Swerve. Swerve. The they, and they've already set up, like, Swerve and Devlin. So I think that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. So, there you go. Do you have any uh, other things you would like to hit on before we get out of here? I think we've hit on everything we possibly can. And I, I just want to say, as it being our fourth birthday, I did not get us a cake. Clearly, we are social distancing and I uh, hope that we're continuing to have fun here. But it is a lot of work to get these schedules mashed up and everything. So uh, everybody that has ever been listening to the Jobber Knocker, as well as, I mean, there's so many people to thank about uh, being part of the Jobber Knocker. I mean, JC, when I went to him, I think four years ago, a little bit more, saying to him, hey, I got this really crazy idea. And he kind of looked at me like, this seems like fun. He's been for the ride for four years. So, JC, as much as I give you shit, I appreciate you because this is uh, half you, half me to make it work. So, Yeah, and it certainly it has been a very fun ride. And I uh, enjoy being here every week, and I look forward to uh, four more, I guess, right? Four more years. Four <laughs> more years. All right. Well, uh, if you guys appreciate us as much as we appreciate you, you should leave us five stars, five flames on iTunes, uh, Anchor, Oh, God, I'm all off my game. Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, archived on YouTube. Uh, Do whatever you can to uh, socialize that stuff. We appreciate it. Give us the reviews like we said because that really, especially in these times, like we know people aren't driving as much, so people might not be as listening. But just try to tell your friends to still download and listen, uh, and we'll appreciate it. Uh, Twitter, at Jobberknocker, at Nestlemania, at JC of the JK, at DQ of the JK, at Ray Ray of the JK, at BillyD2411, at JoePollock47, at TJ of the JK, at The Real Deal. B 
Cox, Facebook Jobberknocker, Instagram Jobberknocker. We are everywhere you want to be on social media. Obviously, Jobberknocker.com is our website, so check out all our stuff on there. Always have good stuff. Uh, NXT, NXT UK, AEW, and NWA Power Returns are all weekly write-ups you can get exclusively on Jobberknocker.com. Well done. Oh, yeah. Four years of practice, baby. Four years of practice. So for Nestlemania, this is, well, for JC, Danny, (laughs) Billy, Ray Ray, JoJo's, uh, Brandon, TJ, everybody else, Trav, Guthrie, Tony, everybody else that has ever even sniffed the Jobberknocker. Thank you for everything that you guys do. We will be back next week with more Jobberknockery.